if Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blah blah blah. Sending out good vibes. You know, there is no point you will ever come to when your consciousness cannot expand any further because you are basically infinite consciousness in the physical realm. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. We are going to be chatting with Damien Eccles a little bit later about magic and fun stuff like that. Him being locked in his apartment for five months. And yeah, all that fun stuff with Mr. Eccles. Seems like it's been in the can for a while. We pushed a few others to the front of the line, but we'll finally get to Mr. Eccles today. Uh, fun show, good show. The video was out for a while. We got to see his partner in the back making dinner for a while. It was a fun one. Damien was a perfect gentleman. And Graham's read his book a couple of times. Now, how'd you like it? Oh, it's great. Yeah. I mean, Marie and I loved his first book. Uh, we listened to it on an audiobook. It's a great little overview of different types of magic and all that and how he condensed a lot of it, a lot of the practice in his book. And this, I mean, you know what I didn't realize listening to this, his next book is uh, Sounds True, who p- produces audiobooks, brought him into the studio after he came out of jail, I guess, to talk about his experience. And, to, and he's like, I don't, I haven't written the book. He yeah, hasn't. Some... He hadn't written a book or anything. He hadn't even. He didn't even. I guess know how to start go about the process or whatever. He went into studio, and verbalized the whole thing. Who did? He did. Yeah, sounds true. Brought him in, just to talk about it on tape, and, and then turn they that turned into, into a book. Did they just and like? Did, and then he did the audio book. And then they moved it around and made it make. Yeah, like then he then or is he it obviously just like a, that was probably like the outline or the foundation of the and book, then and then someone. he actually did. He actually went through and did, so know, does he have a co-writer then? Book. No, I don't did think someone so. Someone edit it. Well, I mean, probably that's but. a good idea to have an editor. If I could just go in a room and spout off for for a while and have someone turn that into a book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. Good idea. And, uh, and then he narrates it himself as well. But I mean, this book, like, so the first ones are really good. I mean, these are books that you're going to have with you that you're going to use almost as a manual in a way, because they have all the different types of meditations and all the different types of magic. And this one's on archangels and angels. And he's got all the chapters like archangels and the elements, archangels of the tree of life. And he's got, you know, sigils and what they represent and what it's like to connect angels of the Zodiac, angels and archangels of the Zodiac, angels of the tarot, and then he's got practices and rituals like mind training, mindfulness, and meditation, essential rituals and intermediate modifications and calling on the angels and advanced rituals. So, I mean, it's something that you can have there all the time to go through and, and use sigils of the, uh, of the archangels. I mean, he's obviously done, he's done a lot of work compiling all this together. So kind of gave me a new view on what that means to connect to angels, you know? 
I'm sort of scared of connecting with anything, to be honest, but I feel like he does a good job at, I feel like he does a good job at, at distilling that into it being a good, didn't connect with any angels since you got the book. You didn't try any, um, not specifically. No, no. I figured you'd have tried. No, no, I'm fine. Well, I mean, I did did other things, but I'm not, not yet. What sort of things? No, nothing. We already talked about it on the show before. Oh, did we? Yeah. They haven't stepped A couple episodes ago. Yeah. Are you still doing magic? Uh, here and then, a little bit. Not much. I was going to do some more, but. You should do some more it's magic. It's just part of, I mean, honestly, it's just, it's, it's dissolving the ego, right? A lot of this is about magic discernment and, and fault and dissolving your ego. I mean, a lot of it's just really good meditation practice. Totally. So, That's the trick to magic. Know, and manifesting what, uh, to be a better person. The two collide quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. The whole, the whole thing that you're sort of learning about or learned about last bit, new thought and all that stuff and manifesting your a better dare and a better future is pretty much magic. Future seems to have gotten worse. Yeah. Well, not for you. No, I'm living the dream. Yeah. Well. But it's cloudy around. Yeah. (laughs) I can see the storm around the dream. The storm is upon us. That's still a hashtag. Uh, I don't know. Is the storm still upon us? Probably. It is though. Or is it still coming? Uh, it's probably upon us. Upon us. What's uh? It's only two months till the election, eh? I can't wait till this is over with. It's it might not be over, dude. I don't. know. We were just having a discussion. I don't know what you want to talk about on the show, but we gotta we gotta sort of hash it out a little bit. But I mean, like, I want to talk know, about we, you shooting the bow. How's your arm? It's sore. I bet it's. Yeah, I bought a new bow. Natasha was or like, not a new bow, but Natasha was like, "I want to try the bow." I was like, "I don't know. I don't know if you're going to be able to pull it back. It's way harder than I expected." Yeah, it is hard. Yeah, it's easy till you get to a certain point, but that last, yeah, you know, six inches be tough. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good to learn how to do that. It takes a good chunk of my strength to get it that last bit back. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Your yeah, arms like are a little food. shorter than mine too. Yeah, I got to get it sized properly, I guess, and stuff, but. Uh... And glowing arrows. Yeah, so I don't lose all my arrows, yeah. I don't know, it's just good to have have the knowledge and the skill to use it if... I if think you did better than anyone it. else. Oh. With the bobo. Yeah. I think you hit the target the most. Well, I mean, I, I was really just playing around with it. I wasn't even trying, I mean, I was just playing around. I don't think anyone else hit the target <clears throat> with the compound. I bounced it off the ground and then hit the target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that counts. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go like dial it in and learn it a little bit better, but it's good. Good. I think Joe wants to go this week. Yeah. I'm I'm willing. I'm not going to go kill anything with it though. I'm going to get my bolts in, I think tomorrow and I'm going to go line that laser dot on with them down at the archery center. Nice. You got a little crossbow. Yeah. It'll be nice not to lose them. I lost another one yesterday. They just fucking disappear in that brush. They're just gone. Yeah. And I remember I was looking at Cavellas, I was like, who the fuck would pay $50 for these light up fucking knock things? And then I lost $40 worth of arrows. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I see. You never lose the arrow then. Yeah. Yeah. I don't expect you to shoot anything, but I expect you to be pretty good with that thing at 50 yards pretty quick. Oh, yeah, I will. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be good. I'll be able to shoot down birds while they're flying. <laughs> Just falls down. Dinner. Huh. It's, it's not as complicated as I thought the compound bow would be for some reason. I just, 
Yeah. But this is an older Did one, you so. think that was hard, more complicated than a recurve? I mean, they're pretty much the exact no, same No, it's thing. better. And it's easier in a lot of ways. The only real difference is on the recurve, that sensation of pulling it back there just lasts the whole time. I was watching Buddy at the range the other day trying to hold it. And you can see him. Like, he's back here. And it's like, oh, he missed the whole, yeah. whole target and everything. Yeah. They got some nice fucking recurves, though. But, yeah, I don't know. The compound seems like the way to go. For sure. I like the crossbow better. Imagine them how they made those in the ancient times, like the long bows and all those that. Those old flat like, bows back in the day, they had a little crank to crank them back yeah. with. Yeah. It'd be crazy. Yeah. It'd be cool to have, see one of those super old ones. Yeah. I mean, even the crossbow is fucking hard to pull back, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes every bit of my strength to click that thing in almost back yeah. there. Yeah. That's like crazy. If it was another, if it was another 20% harder, I'm not sure I'd. Yeah. Be able to get it back. Yeah. That was fun. It's yeah. neat to think that that's all they had back in the day. Yeah. And like, I'm using like a new flashy one. Imagine like. Well, yours isn't new. It's an older newer flashy compared one. to like back in. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's modern. You could say yeah. it's modern, but it's not new. Like, imagine the ones they're making with like twine and leather and like, how far were those things actually shooting? I wonder. Yeah. Because even this one of mine, I mean, it goes pretty good, but you get a real limitation of the technology, real sense of the limitation of the technology pretty quick. Be interesting to see. Yeah. Because when I read those books and stuff, I assume they're shooting people at, you know, 100 yards, but yeah. it must be more like... 40 or 50, yeah. Or less. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe half of what you're doing now. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I remember Dan Carlin's podcast... Uh, the about history, the Mongols? The history one. Yeah, about the steps, the people on the step, horse riding and doing their bows and they're on their back. Yeah. And like just like being expert bow bow hunters from the horse. Horseback. They were the only people in Europe that could shoot bow from horseback and they just fucking ran rim shot over the entire con continent. I mean, imagine how much practice, like how good you'd have to be to do that. What was it? Was it just because they had horses and no one else really had them yet? Or did they just combine those two technologies before everyone else? I don't know. Better at it. Yeah, I don't know. Because no one else really did the bows on horseback thing. Everyone else had like usually the cavalry was on horseback. That'd be neat to see one of those old battles. I can't wait till we get time machines. <laughs> That's probably what the UFOs are. Maybe. Maybe. We'll find out soon enough. So if you had a time machine right now, where'd you go? I say you go one place for half an hour. To, uh, I, I was going to make a COVID joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to the World Economic Forum, great reset. But no, I won't. I won't joke about that. You would be sorry when you got there. You're like, I wasted I, it. I'd probably go to one of the battles in like medieval battles, maybe in the Crusades or something like that. Or maybe Thermopylae. What's Thermopylae? The Gates of Fire when the Greeks, when the Spartans. Was that the horse? No, and the 300 Spartans held off the whole Persian oh. army at the Gates of Fire. That would have been incredible. I'd probably go see something like that. One of those old horse and sword battles? I don't even think they were on horses. It was just foot. They were just locked in with their shields, blocking a, a tight passage to the, to the mainland. Right? I think I'd want to go like right up to when the comets hit the ice sheet. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. And then it's like, yeah. can I only go to one place or do I have a ship? 
wherever you want. Whatever I want, then I want to go zip around, check it out the day before the comet hits, see what's going down. Mm-hmm. That's just going to see what megafauna there were back then that got killed off. That's what it'll turn out. All those UFOs are. Yep, time travel. Future tourists. Yeah, that's been one of the theories. All those out of place artifacts are just future tourist garbage. <laughs> litter, futuristic litter. So, what's going on in the chats today? A little bit of drama? Oh, I think so. I didn't scroll back and read any of it. I know Ryan was upset. We love you, buddy. Yeah. I know you don't want to talk about COVID lots, but I mean, this is, you know, we've, we've been doing this show we've been for- We've talking about COVID for six months straight. We've been Why doing this show now? for years on, you know, on different types of conspiracies and theories and all that. And I mean, this is in our face now, right? I mean, you got to understand why people, so now why people a, want to talk about it. I mean, it's happening. We're living through one of the greatest conspiracies on we've Earth. We've almost spent 10% of the show on it now. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's crazy to think about. I don't like thinking of it like that. No. I know, but that's what's happening in the world, right? Another what six we months we could so be what do we do? 20%. I don't mind not talking about it for certain episodes. I mean, we've done a pretty good job of balancing it out. I I'd think. like to see how long we could go without talking about it. I think, because I don't think I'm the only one who's sick of it. Well, people are sick of it, but what do you do? What do people do, right? I mean, they do want to hear from an, an alternate perspective. I mean, people are going to feel lost in there. Well, if, I if mean, you're just going with the mainstream fear propaganda. Like, I'm what in you... audio books and stuff because it's the only content I can still find that isn't political or COVID related right now. Yeah, but you're-, you're Every but you're... single podcast that I used to listen to is infiltrated. With COVID. With COVID or politics. Well, yeah, but that's what's, that's what's happening right now. I mean, how do you But I would argue our show used to be an escape from what was happening right now. Because it wasn't happening. Because it was all a theory. You know, the UFOs, the consciousness, all that stuff. This is in your face now. You've separated out. There was a bunch of stuff that was in our face then, though, that we were able to not talk about. Not really. Like what? Yeah, no, there was plenty of stuff. Wars on terrors and tsunamis and, you know, all this stuff has been going on for the lifetime of Yeah, the but show. this is more of an intentional global takeover. You can yeah. look at it that way, right? So what do you do? We do a podcast about these things. How do you just ignore that, right? I mean, I'm not saying we should ignore it, but. I am. I'm I know, no, but ignore it for how long? I mean, what do you, what do, you do, right? You've separated yourself out. I think we've talked you've... about COVID on enough for a lifetime of the show. And unless there's like a major change or, or a major like, breakthrough. Well, we've got social media accounts that are talking about all that. I mean, I don't think our listeners are in the dark of where COVID's at right now. I really don't. It's not for, it's not just for. As evidenced by our chat room. Yeah. Which is basically nonstop COVID talk all the time now. So, I mean, yeah, maybe we do have a responsibility to talk about it. I don't think we do. My responsibility to is, falls more in the place of giving people a break from the depressing well, maybe that's the, maybe that's the stage we're at right now. And you're right. Maybe if nothing changes, then, you know, maybe that's what we can do. But I mean, I, mean, there I, was know, a I was time, in the chats last night talking about music. There was a time when we music, said we would so. never talk about politics on the show. Yeah, but now it's, what, now what, it's COVID's everywhere. not politics. I mean, it's become that, but I mean, it's that's not, that. it's, it's happening to everybody in the world. It's affecting everybody. I would so argue how do you the not show talk got political a little bit along the yeah, way as well. of course. But that's not, that doesn't mean. So like, and I guess what I just say this, I don't see any evidence that a lot of good came from any of it. What? I don't see a ton of evidence that a lot of good came from talking politics or talking about COVID. I don't know. How do you, how are you going to discount? How are you going to argue that? I mean, I don't know what, 
what if we didn't talk about it? I mean, I don't know. We have to talk when I when we see the when we see people deconstructing the propaganda and the scientists that are pushing back against the mainstream on this, mm-hmm. people that are fighting for their fucking freedom right now. What's wrong with talking about that? I mean, somebody's got to talk about it. I didn't say it. there was something wrong with well, talking about it. Well, you said it wasn't any, it didn't do any good that we talked about straight. it. And it and didn't there do seems any to be good. more division within the community. Within our community. Yes. I don't agree with that. I was just talking in the chats last night about music and all kinds of stuff. Like, Maybe just because one not. person comes in and, and causes havoc this Maybe morning with, with a mainstream story on. There's not as much dissension in the 50 people in the chat room. That are active out of 900, out of 40,000 people that listen but, but to the show. So where do you see that there's a bunch of dissension? Well, I get emails and I get canceled subscriptions. I don't know if those are dissension or not. I don't know. I don't ask. That's just my thought. Yeah. That's my gut feeling. That talking about politics and COVID on the show aren't, aren't doing the good maybe that we think or hope they are. Like even the intros or the topics themselves for the show, both. Any, both attention, any attention, I think, is not doing the. Maybe don't we have a responsibility as as just you know talking about these types of topics and these type of conspiracies to try I don't know. and I didn't try and sign talk up to people? To CNN. We kind of did. That's what we, I mean. That's what we were doing. When we were talking about ancient mysteries seven, eight years ago, and UFOs and Bigfoot and consciousness and psychedelics. Right? It's all way funner. Yeah, but it's all pushing back against this mainstream paradigm of materialism and you know lying to the people about evidence and all this stuff. Right now, it's just in our face because they're pushing it across the world. That's fine. Okay. So I don't feel so stop talking about responsibility to talk. Oh, I guess we'll see what the listeners say. What do they think? I don't know. Do they think that... It doesn't matter what they say, right? You want to talk about what you want to talk about. Well, no, but it matters what, what you want to talk about. So we talk... I mean, we've been I don't know. I'm, for I'm, six months straight. It's a, we ha- we've, we've, we've had some time off where we haven't talked about it. I talk about it when I have, when I have videos that I think people should watch or there's new news, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I talk about it a little bit, yeah, because I feel like it's important. But I don't know. I struggle myself on what we should talk about during this. Do we just leave it alone or do we talk about it? I don't know. If what that's what you're is. interested in, then we should talk about it. But I'm not interested. So I'm not interested in talking about it. If that's what you're interested in, I'm obviously going to keep talking about it whenever you want to talk about it. So, but I mean, it, but if, if neither of us it. are interested in it, then I don't feel any responsibility to anyone to talk about it. That's not what the, I think the show being authentic of, uh, whoever we deem interesting yeah. is what kind of... Yeah, well, that's, I mean, if, I, I deem it interesting when we can see the, the hammer coming down from afar. I think, for me, I want to explore that a little bit. Okay. And try and figure out if, if the fucking riots in the States I'm are just coming saying up a to little Canada, bit now right? is, or, is almost every you know, show is for it five months us? now. It's just starting to feel like it. Yeah. It's starting to feel like every show, all we talk about is COVID. And I know that's not true, that that's all but, we talk about, but it seems to have seeped into fucking everything. Yeah, well, Union of the has, Wanted is right? an hour and a half of COVID. We go on another show, it's an hour and a half of COVID. It's like shows we go on and shows we do now are just infiltrated by COVID, something that I'm not interested yeah, but, in. So it just becomes a... But how do you... Okay, so, so now I, it's become, instead of the show being my break from, from it all and, and thing, it's become this other it, yeah. thing. It's this thing I have to go do to deal with it that I'm not dealing with on... So how do you tease apart? How do you tease apart the Great Reset, the mandatory vaccines, the economic I don't know, crash? Maybe we just got to do riots, one good show like, on it. Like how do you? You know what I mean? Though, one right? good show I mean, that breaks down. It kind of like, it's not like just maybe COVID, we got to do a riot it, show and a COVID show and a vaccine show 
and be done with it because I feel a calling to vaccines. So we could do every fucking show on vaccines from that regard. I think vaccines are fucking terrible and they're causing a bunch of problems and that we have a responsibility to talk about them, but I don't want to talk about them 52 shows a year, maybe two shows a year. No, but that, that uh, what I'm saying is that overlaps with COVID as well. Like that's the problem with COVID right now. And the show that we do and we touch on so many topics, whether it's economic hitman stuff, whether it's weather manipulation, so from a magical perspective, if we talk about COVID every week, is that what's that manifest? That's the big problem, right? I don't know. Where do you, how do you pay attention to it without attaching to it? Do we need you to know? pay that close of attention to it? You, do we want to know what's going to happen in here? I, I mean, you're, you know, you're taking precautions yourself to look after your, your family and yourself with your own yeah. food supply. Which I'm not you're, sure you're talking t- about it is helping. That's different. I think in my opinion, that's different, but you're doing that I'm because putting, you've paid a certain amount of energy and, and focusing it out about COVID. I'm I just, know, but you're, but you've taken that information mm-hmm. and you've used it to manifest a different life for yourself. Yeah. So you took that information. You didn't just but do if it I out keep of the doing blue. This, I'm worried I'm going to manifest a bad future for my kids. And some people might say it's the opposite of that. If I don't talk about COVID every week, then I'm manifesting a bad future for my kids. Yeah. But that's not my opinion. I'm not really interested in, you know, it's not my worldview. My worldview is that all this shit matters. What, what my attention is focused on, yeah, what yeah, our yeah, attention no, is focused on as a whole affects reality. Yeah, that's the big struggle, so right? Right now, so, I'm, it's, I'm not affecting good. But if people stop paying attention in general, what happens? They they just walk maybe all over everybody. I mean, they lose their control mechanism. Maybe, but that's pretty. That's a pretty big risk, right? Think, is it a risk? Uh, We've never tried it before. Never tried it. We've never tried just not paying attention to what they're trying to cram down our throats, on mass. But what I worry we're guilty of now is taking the people that were, yeah, willing to turn their back on all that, and now the alternative community has started cramming it down their throats. So now we've given them the, the spot where there's nowhere to go. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just my opinion, but I'm starting to feel like yeah, we've yeah. given the fucking world, the community, the people that are listening to podcasts that they're sick of everything else. We've take, we're starting to take away their last, their last spot where they can go for a break. So it, I don't know. Cause I feel a responsibility to just, you know, give people a couple hours of a good entertainment yeah, yeah. and a good time and yeah. make them feel better when they're done with the show. Yeah, no, I get that, man. That's, that's the big, that's the ultimate fucking question right there. And is, I'm not we... trying to degrade that. We don't have to talk about it a little bit. I'm just, you know, it's getting to the point where it's starting to be like, fuck, you know, fucking end up talking about COVID for a half an hour tonight. Yeah. No, I know. I know what you mean. Yeah, I honestly do. I know. But, you know, when you see when I get e- when I get the, tweeted media, 50 fucking links a day and emailed yeah. 20 links a day and Facebook message 20 links a day and then I go in the chats and it's fuck you know, it's just. I don't know. I feel like the chats maybe, you know, I don't have that much of a chance to pop in there. But when I do, I don't feel like it's always about COVID. I mean, there's a bunch of different things in there. I mean, we were talking a whole bunch about music it's yesterday. A steady I mean, it was thread. I'm not saying it's all that's in there all the time, but you won't be able to go through one day without finding well, of course, I mean, it's affecting out. a lot of people though. I mean, I got, we have to be sympathetic too to the amount that it is affecting, but, but whether I'm, we focus I'm being on it or not. sympathetic in another direction saying, don't fucking focus on it. It might not affect you as much. Well, people, people's kids are in school six feet apart with fucking masks on. Like okay, how do well, you. Well, listening to my podcast isn't going to change that. 
You've got a personal decision. It's affecting people, You've though. You've got like, a personal but, decision But, but how do there. people push back on that? And right? to be honest, they don't know I'm how to push sick back. of sharing my personal opinions about it with other people yeah. because all it's doing is alienating people I care about. I, know, I don't do give understand? a fuck if other people want to wear a mask. I don't. I, I know that. But do you understand how that's affecting people's lives, right? What do they do? They want to bitch about it may, maybe in our chats or something, which is... You know, is for, that what's happening? I don't I would, know. If I'm I seen saying, that, I, I would, know. I would I mean, be super compassionate, are, I think. But that's not what I'm seeing. I'm just seeing, seems like Twitter. That's right. what it honestly seems like yeah. half the time. And I don't know I mean, because I'm not on Twitter. the chats are direct links from Twitter. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't, and I don't know because I'm not in Twitter. So I, I don't, I can't even argue with you on that. But I guess I'm just trying I'd to be sympathetic Instagram's to a bunch of people. At this point. Like we're pretty, I'm grateful right now that where we are, we are less affected than most of the fucking world right now. So I'm trying to be sympathetic for the people that are walking around because they feel like they have to wear masks all day long and their kids are in school and all that. And they were, they're of course they're going to talk about it. It's directly affecting them. I'm not seeing those people talking about it though. It's not what I'm seeing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're just, you're seeing the people that are, I would like to see that when I, that's the stuff I like to see. What? Okay. Vulnerability and stuff like yeah. that, but I, I, in my opinion, that's not what's happening. It's just a, I don't know what it is. It's like this. Um, everyone wants to know what's going on and have the latest information and be on top of it. Can you not see why with all this going on? No, that if I can't maybe, see maybe, why. maybe if like why. this is I the one no, time when they I want latest no information. I see no benefit to being a day ahead of me on information. I see no benefit to being a week ahead of me on information right now. I really don't. I, I think I'm the not access, saying, no, no, I think no, no, I'm not saying there's a benefit. Instant information is probably one of the biggest problems we've yes, got right now. Yes, I agree. And I'm not saying that. So aren't we contributing to that? I'm not saying that I agree. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that can't you understand that why people want that? Yeah, and I want to help them Because it might change the way things no, are right won't. now. Knowing today or tomorrow won't. You know, the only thing that'll I, change I, things I'm are is changing they, yourself. I'm saying they think it will. But I know. So yeah. I don't want to feed that delusion because it won't. Knowing all the things in the world won't. The only thing that'll change anything is changing, trying. And I don't I'm not know, saying man. I moved easy. out of the city two yeah, weeks early because I that. saw what was fucking coming. Because exactly. I was paying attention to a certain point. Like that I was just watching what was going on, not in the fucking media, the mainstream media, but listening but to alternative. You yeah, had, but, you had already well, had the had the precursors and you could well, feel no, the but thing. I made it pretty it happened pretty fast. Like they could have even increased the 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 move the original move time. But I'm I'm just saying that I was using independent information to adjust what was happening in my life so I didn't get stuck somewhere. Which I think is important. Okay. But I don't think it needs to be up to the minute. I don't even yeah, think yeah. it needs to be up to the hour, up to right, the day. Right, right, right. Like once yeah, a day. Yeah, yeah. Once Fair a day enough. is yeah, probably yeah, yeah, good yeah, enough yeah, news grab. Yeah, yeah. That's, Maybe even once every couple days. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't have to be checking Twitter yeah, every yeah. 10 minutes or... So that's a really good point. So the balance around it. Yeah, I totally I agree think with the you. access to instant information is one of our biggest fucking problems yeah. right now because there's no, and I mean, to the, some extent, there probably used to be some watering down or some narrative forming and stuff like that. But there was also just some time for everyone to take a fucking breath and not react emotionally. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget that our emotions, well, they're here for a lot of important reasons and they need to be realized and and realized and, and, uh, listened to, they're also not always your friend and you need to sometimes 
spend some time with yourself before you react. And I just think that we live in a world nowadays where everything's so instant. And I mean, the perfect example is that 95% of people nowadays aren't reading past a headline. That's where we've got so much information that we can't even be bothered to read past a headline anymore. I think and you know that most of them are fucking bullshit too. So, Yeah, that doesn't help. The but headlines. sometimes if you read the article, it kind of teases that out on its own. You know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes there's a disclaimer at the bottom saying that the headline is fucking false. Yeah, or sometimes you just read the article and it's like, I can't believe they headlined at that. Well, it's like because they know that most of us aren't reading past the headline anymore because we've been inundated with so much information that we just, we can't, I, I honestly think it starts to affect our ability to actually rationalize our existence where we're at. I don't think, and a big part of that is even like the social media and knowing what's going on in Australia. And I'm not belittling what's happening in Australia because I think that shit's terrible. And it's not good, but we also have enough fucking problems in Canada or if you're in the U S and U S I would argue you have enough problems on your block or in your neighborhood or maybe in your house that are more pressing than people in Australia. Yeah, but again, I'm, again, I'm not saying that from a lack of compassion's point. No, we, but, 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 but if you're looking at it in terms of that could be being used as a testing ground and it could be coming to other be. countries. Yeah, I mean, be. that's looking like that's the case. And if you're too busy staring at your phone, it's going to show up before you even notice. You think you think you're on top of it, but you weren't really paying attention to what was going on at your kid's school or what was getting installed down the street or I don't know, fill yeah, in the yeah, blank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good valid. It's a that's weapon a of point, mass yeah. distraction. And I don't want to become caught up as being another outlet for the mass distraction. Whether it's good or bad, whether we're against it or for it, I think we're still just muddying the waters to a certain extent. Not that they're not muddy enough already. And it's less than that. And it's more just like, I just feel like we used to be a break. Well, let's do, let's do some intentional episodes at our breaks. I mean, I don't know. I mean, got one coming up on mushrooms another one coming up on health and wellness. And no, that. He, I mean, he's already said he wants to, he wants to do, okay, then we'll make to, it a look. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to tear down COVID. <sighs> and the other one, I got Which, booked. Like I say, I think that's important, but I think we've like, done it i think we you know, I know we like have. if i had to line up i could say hey i remember covid yeah we kicked its ass yeah. we kicked its fucking ass now it's just like i feel like we're kicking it when it's down yeah 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 no maybe maybe dude but i mean which in some ways just empowers these fuckers that we have to keep doing it i don't think we do i think if we just stop paying yeah, attention yeah, like yeah. If, if the alternative started not paying attention maybe we would see that we've got more power than we think to sway the attention away from it and maybe if there is a little bit of magic in the world that's enough to change it Maybe. Or maybe it is just a materialistic world and we're fucked anyway. No, I don't. But think either so. way, at least we can give people a couple hours of escape. Yeah, yeah. That's, from their okay, impending doom. I mean, there's a bunch of people in there that think we're impending doom too, and they might be right too. Let's do it. No, we had that bad review that was like, hey, you guys are, you know, you're paranoid about COVID. We're like, wow, really? We're paranoid? We might be paranoid at this point, but it doesn't seem like it. I mean, yeah. It doesn't seem like it. I don't it. want to start listing the reasons but why I don't think we are. 20, but. <laughs> I wonder what 2013 Darren and Grab would say. I mean, they might just be like, holy fuck, you guys did. 
take a breath. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting from a magical perspective. I you mean, know who we got to get book. in here? James Nation. Yeah, we should. Yeah. James Nation needs to come back. But from this perspective, like Damien's publishing all this stuff in audio for the world to hear. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this stuff, you know, only the people that were initiated in could fucking learn about this stuff. People couldn't even read back then. For the first time ever, not only can you people, can everybody, not everybody, of course, but, you know, billions of people read and listen to this stuff, but it's out in the fucking open for the profane to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Y'all should be doing magic. When do you do some magic tonight? Dude, I just, I met, I did some last night. I meditated last night. It was great before bed. So that's all, you know, that's for me. I just have to keep with some mindful I haven't meditated practices, in a while, actually. mindful practices, you know, I went for a long walk in the woods. The well, other day, that's, though. that's a meditation. The bugs were bad. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was just, I just couldn't fucking get over the bugs. I was just like, fuck. And I was actively trying. I was yeah. just like, you know, the bugs are here. You're here. <laughs> just be, just, just be one with just the bugs. Whatever, but it's, I just, it's hard, show, man. Just nonstop oh, bugs. And then I started thinking about that stupid scarf thing yeah. I have that'll like cover up the back. Cause that's really the bad spot is the back of the neck. Oh, but, that's yeah. The worse. bugs really, they're so like elemental that they just, you can't get rid of them. Yeah. Those motherfuckers. You can't keep them out. I know when we were out shooting the bow the other night when I followed you guys out there just to practice with it a bit, the bugs were all over my legs. Just oh, yeah, we just walked. Just so like we edgy. walked into those woods oh, after right, you left right. for a couple hours, yeah. walked around. It's super nice yeah. in there, but the bugs are fucking crazy. I thought they'd have let off by now. No, I think, they're back, weekend, in, I think they're back in the fall. They come back towards the This uh, weekend the should finish them a bunch of them off. Maybe. I think it's going to go down to freezing. If it snows a bit, that should kill all the mosquitoes yeah. at least. So I don't know. I had a project operation ready to go, but I think we'll save it for next week. You know, we kind of just were due for one of these ramblings, but um, I think what did I have uh, ready to go? I think I had another. Uh, oh, we got to do this. I, we can't not do okay, this. Okay. I had a child savings operation that was, uh, there was an operation. Um, let me see here. Safety net. But that was kind of, I, I went to the U.S. Marshals uh, site there and I found another one. I'm trying to find the name of it now. Oh, I actually watched a movie. But they, they found a bunch of missing kids, so I'm trying to... Uh, I watched I'll do movie. that next time. I watched a movie yesterday that had uh, a U.S. Marshal in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. White Fang. Oh, yeah. They remade it as a cartoon. Cool. I liked the original better. Yeah. You know, I thought White Fang... Which one was the dog sled race one? Where they had the Disney dog sled race. I don't know. I can't find it. I don't know. I thought that's what White Fang was. I was, I was kind of looking for the kids. Yeah. You know what else was kind of disappointing is that I feel like the original acting in White Fang was better than the voice acting that they were able to pull together. What the hell? Felix blocked my access to the physical mail jingle. You think he quit? Did Felix? Maybe he's sick of COVID. Did Felix quit us because of COVID? I think I don't I, know. He advertised in the chat the other day. So, I mean, if we're still allowing him to advertise in the chat, I hope he doesn't quit. Maybe he got a new account. I think this is going to cut off halfway through. I can't remember if it's this Why one or not. Why don't you send some physical mail to the Grand America show at PO Box 16033. So, we had a big mail day. 
17th Avenue SW. Next line. Uh-huh. Calgary, Alberta. Next line. Uh-huh. Canada. Next line. Uh-huh. T2T Space 5H7. We had a big day at the mailbox. Of course, our mail forwarder, it turns out, doesn't work for parcels. So that's why we had a large break in the mail. So we had to go down and uh, get uh, get our mail. We got a 50th birthday present for Graham. A skunk apes, apes, skunk apes, hockey puck. I love it. Yeah. I guess it's from the Everblades. That's a Florida hockey team instead of the Everglades. And they had a, a little, uh, what, like a one night thing or like a third jersey called the Florida Skunk Apes, which is a fantastic logo. We got a, look, I like that there's a sheep on your card. Yeah, that's a, that's a llama there. Oh, is it? Yeah. His name is Dolly. Looks like a sheep. Happy 50th birthday, Grammarama. Our ECHL team, the Everblades, rebranded their team for one night as the Skunk Apes. As you probably already know, the Skunk Ape is Florida's version of Sasquatch. I thought you'd find this novelty puck amusing. I hope it finds a nice place in the new studio. Good vibes from the Sunshine State. Mary Beth. P.S. I can't believe they expect us to lick envelopes in the midst of a pandemic. A birthday blessing from Dolly the Llama. You're right. Ah, thanks, Dolly. Of course, I got a t-shirt from Amsterdam. Uh, I forget his actual name, but I know he's from Amsterdam. He called himself Amsterdam in the chats. He got me a sweet dune shirt. It's got a guy riding a sandworm. It says, Surferacus House Atreides. Nice. One of my favorite shirts. Instantly became one of my favorite shirts. Uh, which is good. You know what I noticed the other day? I have managed to successfully phase out all branded clothing out of my, uh, out of my wardrobe. What do you mean Branded. No branded clothing. Like, All my t-shirts are like one-offs. Other than like this one, which is just like a Pacific Northwest shirt that I bought in some like, there's probably more of these flying around. But do you mean branded? Like what if you're wearing like a cruising with steak shirt or a TH? No, that's, shirt that's fine. I that's just fine. mean like, 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 um, big brands. Right. Like, right. you know, back in the day it was Nike or, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. fill in the blank. Yeah. Like okay, that's what I, thought, I yeah. phased out all of that stuff into like red bubble t-shirts or yeah. t-shirts from yeah, there. To support. A dune t-shirt. To support or, local, little local things. And just not to be a billboard for these fucks too, you know, it yeah. just seems crazy that that's what we were worried about when we were kids. Yep. Unbelievable. You know, it's no wonder we ended up where we ended up. Nike will be on the moon before we are. Unless you think we already went. We didn't. Stand by, we didn't. Because I watched that movie. Uh, kind of listen, not I, the movie I, you'd I, think either. <laughs> not a moon conspiracy movie. It was just a movie about, uh, what was it called? It was the first astronaut movie. I seen the moon scene. I was like, nah, didn't happen. Okay, I got to read it. I got to read a synchro then. About... Can I read this first? Yeah, or you want to yeah, do that first? Yeah. Darren and Graham, I'm Jay, and I'm a graphic designer from Melbourne, Australia. Godspeed, Jay. I know you guys are having a tough fucking lockdown over there. We actually had a little protest here over the weekend at the uh, Australian Embassy in Canada about the way they're treating you guys. And what I understand, it's just the Victoria State. I've got a bunch of messages from other Australians saying, hey, the rest of us are seem to be okay. It's just these crazy assholes in Victoria that are kind of pushing the envelope a little more. If you're in Victoria, let us know because it's kind of in this like we were discussing a little earlier, we're kind of in this weird age of information where you can never really know what's true and what's fake and what's scripted and what's acted out and what's, 
So, you know, is it like this in Victoria? Because the videos we're seeing on Twitter makes it seem like you guys are having a fucking tough time over there. Let us know. Uh, obviously, Jay here is from Melbourne, which is the belly of the beast. Anyway, the box in front of you. Now, I got to say, Jay spent $70 to ship this box from Holy Australia. Holy, thanks, Jay. The box in front of you contains about 1,900 stickers. There's two original Good Vibes designs with 950 stickers each. As one of the many people who has had a drastic decline in work recently, this deadly pandemic has given me a lot of time to think about what I want in life and where I want to spend my time. Makes a few of us, Jay. The Grammerica podcast is a testament to passion and dedication. Your catalog is vast and covers such amazing array of topics, many of which are quickly becoming very relevant and very important in these bizarre yet exciting times. COVID. It's always hard to see that the back catalog becomes relevant. <laughs> In tough times, <laughs> right? Yeah, you don't need to be on top of it because the back catalog becomes relevant. The Gramerica, where was I? Which are it's always hard to go against the grain, but you've managed to build something great while amassing an audience and creating a community of mostly like-minded people. <laughs> <laughs> your reluctance to include ads in your shows is admirable, but as you well know, relying on the public can sometimes be tough. Well, I can't give you much money. I can give you my time and my skills, which you can then turn into some cold, hard cash. You can sell these stickers for a few bucks a pop and make some money for the show. Think of it like a long-term donation. Keep up the good work. There is change in the air. Good vibes, Jay. Jay in the chats. I'm not very active. In brackets. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> so we got a cool UFO good vibes and another infinity infinite good vibes. Yeah. There's some awesome stickers. They're about two inch circle, I'd say. We got tons of them. I think. Uh, I mean, the swag packs were starting to get expensive because we had to buy all that stuff. But I think with these stickers, we might be able to get them going again. Yep. Start popping out some swigs packs. We can just really buy some stamps, and uh, and we'll get the swag packs going for subscribers again. And sending out some of these stickers. They're fantastic. I'm gonna. Give a bunch of them to Graham and some other people to go post up around town. And, uh, yeah. Right on. Thank you, everybody. You got a synchro then? Yep. I might as well play it now. I'll go to the original synchro. I'm a rambling Graham with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't all right. So I figured I had this ready to go, but I wasn't going to do it. Because, I think Michael's you know, going to be here right away, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought since you mentioned the moon thing, then I got to do it because I had it sitting here on my desktop. Just wanted to share a mini synchro and ask a question all in one. Yesterday around 2.30 p.m. I was wrapping up show 420 on my way to work when you guys started talking about your opinions on the moon landing being fake. And I found myself wondering what you guys thought about how the U.S. government sent a bomb to the moon that when it went off, it made the moon ring like a bell for several hours. But science has always stated that there's no sound in space because it's supposedly a vacuum. When early this morning on my way home around 1240 a.m., you guys mentioned on your show 421 at roughly minute 28, the U.S. government sending a bomb to the moon and made it ring like a bell. Anyways, I thought that was pretty grimtastic and would love to know your opinion on what, to me, is an obvious contradiction. Thank you for all you guys do. Dude, I never thought of that before. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. So I, my, yeah, if there's no medium to, uh, but I don't think space is vacuum, so 
There you go. Well, that's your opinion. Yeah. Hmm. You think it's an electromagnetic? I think the ether. I like the ether. Well, whatever the ether turns out to be, it's just a word. Yeah. But I think that, you know, that makes more sense. Yep. I wonder. We were going to go to space at one time, but we got sidelined. Yeah. We got grounded. NASA wasn't going to let it happen. Okay, quotes and done. Yep. I don't have the, do I have the quote one here? Let me see what I got. This might be the one that cuts off then. Da, da, da. Ooh, I have this one. People will be happy to bring this back. Down and Graham going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. They got pretty unprofound by the end. No way. <laughs> no way. They're all profound. I've seen a UFO. Hundreds of them. <laughs> it's a profound <laughs> <Admiral> Mike. UFO quote <laughs> of the week. For you to believe that there is no world conspiracy which involves a small number of people manipulating humanity through a hierarchical structure of control toward a new world order shows you have, in actual fact, not looked genuinely into the abundance of well-researched information on world conspiracy to see if there is one. Who said it? Dave McGowan. Oh, close. David. Algowan? No, David. Ike. Ike. <laughs> Public speaker. <laughs> I think I can have Gareth on the show, too. Good. This kid. I think maybe we'll have him on first. Dave's super busy right yeah, now, yeah, so I'm going good. back and forth with Gareth. He seems like an all right cat, yeah, too. Yeah, let's do it. Yep. Um, he used to play pro football. Maybe you guys can talk about your uh, pro sports careers. No, I didn't play any pro sports. You played ball hockey on a world-class level. Yeah, but that's not pro. It's, just... it's semi-pro. I mean, it's as pro as soccer. No way, dude. Fuck. No way. Are you kidding? Just pissed Jesus. off half the yeah, listener. No, God. <laughs> it's just a little cult sport. Soccer sport? I don't know. You just run around chasing the ball. <laughs> and it could be fun. Maybe we get you back in ball hockey. We get you some sponsors. I just got to get back in shape first, dude. So, ball hockey. Anyways, we can't do the show without support, right? We can't. Appreciate it. We, we really appreciate finished. how everybody's helped out. Couldn't do the show without you. We love you. If you want to become one of those people that support the show, I mean, we're sorry to beg for money, but if you want to become one of those people that support the show, it does help keep us going, helps us think about growing, moving forward, doing all sorts of fantastic stuff. It's kind of like sending karma to the show in the way of dollars. Helps us think we have a future in it. Primerica.ca slash support. Sign up for a monthly today. If you can, do a one-time donation. There's a bunch of different ways there you can help the show. It really does make it feel like we're doing something worthwhile, which I'm sure we are. Sometimes we just get lost. It's hard to know, man, in this day and age. I don't know. That's it. Maybe we're part what of the problem. What do we talk about? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the chat with Damien Eccles, who's definitely not part of the problem.
All right, we've got Damian Eccles with us tonight. He's the author and magician. He's the author of two of my favorite books on magic and the occult, High Magic and his latest, Angels and Archangels, and that was very good as well. So I'm looking forward to this for a while. Damian, after I listened to your first, or the, the first book of yours I listened to, which was High Magic, listened to it on the way to one of our events with my girlfriend, and we were both uh, very, very uh, into it. It was great. So ever since then, I kind of wanted to, to have you on the show. So thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me and for helping to get the word out about this, getting it into the hands of more people. Yeah, man, it's it's getting really popular, and there's all kinds of stuff to talk about with it. I mean, I, what I really appreciated about High Magic was it was very – is very straightforward on if you want to sort of practice this, here's the the way to do it, to build the foundation, to, to start it. But then you also had, you know, all kinds of other, other different uh, types of ways to utilize magic in there as well. And, and, um, and how it had helped you. And I mean, it, it was just, mm-hmm. it was really good for somebody that, like for me and my girlfriend, cause it really, she really caught on to like, okay, like the breathing techniques and the, mm-hmm. some of that. Yeah. What I was trying to do, you know, whenever I first started it, like I I fell in love with ceremonial magic when I was, you know, really, really young, like a kid. But whenever you start looking at at like the traditional books that are, you know, usually passed down through magic, like Israel Regarde's The Golden Dawn. You know, I had a I had a friend that described it. I thought this was the best description I ever heard somebody give of this work one time. He said the first time he opened it, it's almost like trying to read an alien language. You know, like none of it makes sense. There's a lot of math and all of these diagrams that are completely unfamiliar to you. And and that's how it was for me, too, to be honest. And it can be kind of intimidating. I've seen a lot of people, you know, that'll go into it and they'll give up because they're like, this is just too complicated. I wanted to, to strip it down, make it as easy, straightforward and accessible as I possibly could without like watering down the effects that it has on you so yeah. that you could still get everything out of it that you were supposed yeah. to. Yeah. And the, and the other thing I really liked about it was the de, de demonizing, maybe it would be the word or demystifying the golden dawn aspect of it. And the, the, yes. the pentagram and the, and the banishing ritual. Like, can you talk a little bit about that before we get too far into this? Because we do have, and you mentioned in your books, like we have such a, uh, uh, an evil perception of that in our culture. Exactly. As soon as you yes. see that pentagram, you know, it's a, you, you know, you know, Hollywood images come to mind and demonic summoning and all this kind of stuff. Like it, it's just really been, it's been just drilled into our brains that it's just evil. Right. Exactly. And a lot of that was pretty much just, it came about from smear campaigns from the Catholic church or, or through fundamentalist, you know, Christianity in general. But when you're talking about the pentagram, you know, in magic, one of the first practices you learn when you begin doing magic is called the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. Yeah. And it does lots of things. You know, it's kind of like it's the energetic equivalent of like saging an area. Like you push energy out of it. It's also, you know, it has effects on you. It's like doing calisthenics for your aura. But during part of this ritual, you are visualizing and using energy, chi, whatever you want to call it, to draw these pentagrams in different directions around the room, and, and you're visualizing them like shining around you. But the pentagram, there's absolutely, you know, one of the things that I try to show people is how there is absolutely nothing dark or 
evil or demonic or anything about it. You know, what we're drawing, kind of what we're symbolizing. First off, keep in mind that our unconscious and subconscious mind does not speak in language. It speaks in images. So what we're doing when we're doing this ritual is trying to send messages directly to the deepest parts of our psyche. So the pentagram, for example, the lower four points represent uh, the four elements. And I don't mean elements like in the periodic table. Uh, you know, they're sort of like states of existence. So you have earth, air, fire, and water are the, the four elements of, you know, that re- are represented by points on the pentagram. Mm-hmm. But all of these things also, you know, like earth represents our hardcore physical body, our flesh and blood. Uh, air represents our intellect, our ability to use logic and reason, things like that. Uh, water represents um, our emotions as well as our unconscious or subconscious mind. And what did I leave out? Wands. Wands represent like literally, or, or fire, fire represents yeah. literally our internal fire, like our life force. So the very top of this pentagram, the very top point represents divinity, you know, like the highest aspect of reality, the source that everything came from and to which everything will one day return. So every time you're drawing this pentagram, what you are doing is literally starting at the point that represents divinity and drawing divinity down into these other four aspects of your existence. You're drawing it down into your mind, down into your body, down into your emotions. And what you're trying to do by doing this is, is basically achieve your fullest potential. You know, it's like, like Jung called self-actualization. We are bringing uh, God down into every aspect of our being whenever we're doing this, this ritual. So, you know, once again, there's absolutely nothing dark or scary or satanic or anything else about it. You're just drawing a star. Yeah. Which seems like the exact opposite of what they portray it most of the time. Exactly. I mean, it's the exact, they, you know, they portray it as this summoning type thing when really it's almost a cleansing, a cleansing thing. That's exactly what it is. You, You are trying to purify yourself. And then this, this came from like, you simplified a lot of the golden dawns stuff, which they had taken from, you know, all this, this, uh, secret societies of the past thousands of years, I guess, and already kind of empowered that. And then you took what they did and sort of simplified it into that, that book. Is that a good way to say it? That's, that's pretty much exactly what I tried to do. You know, you had these, these lodges around, uh, you know, the start of the, the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, that, you know, what they tried to do, for example, when you're talking about the Order of the Silver Star, which was another, you know, organization around the same time as the Golden Dawn, um, what kind of what they were trying to do, their motto was the aim of religion, but the method of science. So they combed through like all of these esoteric traditions, both Eastern and Western, from Rosicrucianism and alchemy to yoga and Tai Chi and and Taoism. They combed through all of these esoteric disciplines and they were trying to find basically what works, how it works, why it works and how we can make it work better. You know, strip away the dogma, strip away the belief systems until you get down to just the core practices that anybody can use despite whatever your religious affiliation or belief system or anything else. So does that have, that has a negative connotation to a lot of people as well though, right? The Golden Dawn, Crowley, because Crowley was involved in it at some point. I mean, can you demystify that a little bit? 
Absolutely. That's one of those things, you know, it's kind of still mind boggling to me. Uh, a man named probably one of the most notorious magicians of all time was a man named Aleister Crowley, who began in the Golden Dawn and then went off to form. He became the head of the OTO, which was a German organization, the Ordo Templi Orientis. Uh, he also formed an organization called the AA, uh, which means in, in Latin, it was Silver Star. Um, but th this is a guy that the English media at one point called uh, the wickedest man in the world. Yeah. And, and it's one of those reputations that has stuck kind of, you know, it's almost like urban legend at, at this point and superstition. You will tell people will come up with the craziest stories that can be debunked with like five minutes of actual research. You know, they'll say Crowley, he kept a sex slave trapped in his closet. And he was Barbara Bush's grandfather, and he's related to these, you know, reptilian bloodlines of royalty that are trying to take over the world. And it doesn't matter, you know, you can tell people, stop, that's crazy stuff, actually do some research, read the guy's work, educate yourself. But most people don't want to, you know, they would rather have the scary stories than the actual facts of, of his work. Well, what are some of the things that are a little crazy about him? Like, was he part intelligence? Uh, was he kind of working for the British intelligence at one point or any of those? That's true. Yes. Or, yeah, that, that absolutely is. Yes, yeah. they do have information where uh, at one point he was working in uh, intelligence with the British government to spy on the Nazis. You know, this was during the time whenever uh, the U.S. still had not decided which side of the war it was going to enter. You know, you had half of America that was want, wanting to enter World War II on the side of Germany uh, and, and half that was wanting to enter uh, against Germany. Yeah. So Europe, uh, England in particular, was doing a lot of work to try to convince the United States you should be against Germany. You should be with us. And they recruited him as part of that effort. Yeah. Interesting. So where should we go from here? Do you have any questions, Darren, before we kind of get? Well, I'm kind or? of, this is maybe, yeah, like, uh, let's, hmm, I suppose like some of the audience is probably coming from my side where I don't really know a whole lot. Like I do a little bit of like day, yeah. day to day magic. Like I, 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 no, well, I shouldn't even call Man it manifestation. Kind of like I new, understand, more like new thought. Yeah, I understand kinda. that my thoughts are dangerous, so I try and contain them. And I understand that I can make stuff happen if I can concentrate on it long enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, but that's kind of as deep as I get, sort of thing. So maybe just sort of a, a maybe sort of a quick how you got here, sort of. And and what you're describing also, like the manifestation aspect. You know, a lot of people will, it's almost like people will try to shame you for that for, for some reason. You know, they're like, you're using spirituality for a materialistic perspective. And, and I always tell people, well, if you, you know, if you're having trouble figuring out how you're going to pay the rent this month or how you're going to feed your kids, the last thing that's going to be on your mind is reaching enlightenment or completing the great work or whatever it is. There is absolutely nothing wrong whatsoever with using energy work techniques, ceremonial magic techniques, new thought, whatever you want to employ to change your reality. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Um, but it's also a lot of people think that that's like the be all and end all of magic, that that's like what it's for. And one of the things that I always try to tell people is this isn't, you know, a path of spiritual development. It's a spiritual science. 
and and there is much much more to it than than simply manifesting you know for example whenever you're learning magic like if you're uh you know you're learning from like a traditional order or lodge or lineage whatever it is basically you learn magic in three stages the first stage is what they call the first order in the first order this is where you're given all of the basic rituals you know like the lesser banishing ritual the pentagram uh the invoking ritual the pentagram the lesser hexagram rituals the middle pillar the rose cross you know all these sorts of things and in the first order your job is to learn how to do these things forward backwards inside and out so that you've got them memorized to the point where you do them almost by reflex and you can do them without any tools if necessary. You know, you don't need candles or incense or any of that. And and like I said, not only can you use these things for manifestation, but it's also like uh, you are feeding yourself when you do this. It is a kind of spiritual sustenance. That's why it's like doing calisthenics for your aura. It's, It's incredibly strengthening for your energy system. But then in the second order, after you master all of these rituals, in the second order, you're supposed to take everything you learned in the first order and then start using it for practical reasons. And that could be anything towards like manifesting, like we were just talking about. Or a lot of people sometimes will say, well, if I don't have anything in my life that I need to change, you know, if I've got the job I want, if I'm in the relationship I want to be in, if I'm living in the place that I want to live in, and it doesn't seem like I have anything that I need to do magic for, what should I do magic for? That's kind of where the next stage of magic really kicks in. What, what you start doing it for then is completion of the great work. You know, and, and what I mean by completion of the great work, you know, we think of in most spiritual circles now, especially in the West, we think of like enlightenment as the be all and end all of spirituality. It's like this finish line. Um, and, and the way we look at it in magic is that there, there isn't a finish line. You know, there is no point you will ever come to when your consciousness cannot expand any further. Because you are basically infinite consciousness in the physical realm. So there will always be more that you can learn. However, uh, once you reach this point of awakening where you have freed yourself from what the Buddhists call the will of samsara, you know, this this uncontrolled incarnating uh, back into the physical realm over and over without you know, being able to exert any influence on it in any way, just sort of being pulled this way and that by energies that are affecting you. Uh, That's what we call completion of the great work, where once you have mastered that uh, and you're ready to continue with even higher things, you know, things like in magic, the third order uh, is part of of the work of the third order is what we call crossing the abyss. And, And what that means is the disintegration or the dissolution of the self. You know, the individual ego, the, the small I that we think we are in, in normal daily life, part of the work of the third order is disintegrating that so that we experience from a firsthand perspective, you know, not have belief in it, not have faith in it, not hope for it, but have actual firsthand experience that we are this infinite consciousness that is experiencing itself through the eyes of every man, woman, and child in this world. It's like when Jesus said, you know, whatever you do to other people, you do to me. You know, we we believe and work with techniques that allows us to experience the fact that he wasn't using that as a metaphor, that that is the literal truth. We are, people say that we're connected. We're not connected. We are one thing. 
We are one consciousness just experiencing itself from a bunch of different viewpoints. Yeah. And that's after stage two where is exactly. stage two is the, is the continuation of consciousness in there? Like, do you, or do you, do you ascribe to like, I know you mentioned Samsara, but is, is it like you can reincarnate into the next one and next one and learn Yes. Learn more and well, more as you go along. Like, would exactly. that still be stage two or, or would that be well, after that? Stage two, it, it kind of falls a little bit in between. Yeah. Stage two, the, the height, the peak of stage two is what we call attaining the knowledge and conversation of the holy guardian angel in magic. Um, and once you do that, once you establish that, it almost automatically and inevitably triggers that disintegration of self. So that and crossing the abyss almost go hand right. in hand right, where they'll right. start to happen really close. Yeah. That's kind of what I was, what I was picturing. Yeah. Hmm, yeah. That's interesting. So do you think that people, I mean, you know, you've, you've used this for, for good, for, for your, yourself. And I want to get into the archangels and the angels, cause that's a whole different level of, uh, for, for me anyways, of, of learning and, and, uh, and believing in, in this type of thing. But I mean, but uh, what about people that are using this for, evil is there is there like less power in, in using it for deceptive motives or for for uh power you know for power takeover whatever the world i mean I, you know is yeah is it is it is there, is there a power difference between the intention and the integrity would, of it or yeah i would kind of say there is i guess what i would say is it's almost like stunted creativity when people do things like that you know some people to them like winning in life, they have this picture of themselves as like sitting on a pile of gold with a, a boat and a, and a Mercedes, maybe with a couple of models around them or something, you know, they, that to, to a lot of people is winning, you know, that's, that's everything. So for them, they're not really interested in, uh, you know, going beyond that or, or, you know, even, fanning the flames of others. You know, that's one of the things we're supposed to be doing in magic is for every step you progress, you are supposed to try to help others progress at the same time. And yes, there are people that are not interested in, in other people progressing. You know, uh, they, they want to know something that you don't know. They want to be able to do something that you can't do. It gives them a, a sense of power. Uh, I, I absolutely think that there are probably people who delve into things like that out there. I think in the long run, though, um, most people are going to become really dissatisfied with it. You know, whenever you do finally figure out that, yes, I can manifest things. Yes, I can change the reality that I'm experiencing. And it's amazing at first, yeah. you know, but then you start to think there's got to be something else to this. You know, there's got to be more that goes along with it. So I, I think usually the people who go far enough along where they start to lose interest in that sort of thing. I think once you realize that there is so much more to learn and do uh, in the realm of magic, um, the happier you become whenever you do apply yourself to those, those higher levels of, of reality. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine one time and we were just talking about people like, uh, like masters of ceremonial magic. And we were talking about how, if you've got, you know, these people who, are, are beyond adept level magicians, but they don't really do anything to have any major change on the world. Why, why is that? And yeah. we were talking about how a lot of times when, after people reach a certain stage, it's almost like they're not even really here anymore. You know, they're physically here, 
but it's like mentally they live in a state where they are contemplating divinity at all times. You know, it's like, like they say in the book of, of what was it? Enoch, where they say an Enoch walked with God and Enoch was no more. (laughs) Or there was a Sufi mystic who said, there is nothing but God under my hat. You know, that once you reach those levels of magic where you're functioning from there, you realize that all of the other stuff isn't nearly as amazing as you think it is when you're first starting out. I guess. Yeah. I, I hear these people criticizing, you know, past magicians saying, Oh, they all ended up with, with nothing. I mean, if they're so good, wouldn't they have manifested all this wealth and, and power? And I'm thinking, well, that's because they've learned that they don't even want that. They don't desire that. I mean, they've learned exactly to live without all that. I mean, exactly. You know, you know, it's like Tibetan lamas. You don't see Tibetan lamas, you know, once they reach the point of being absolute masters. And, and part of magic and, and aspects of Tibetan Buddhism have a big overlap, you know, when you're talking about achieving conscious immortality. Yeah. Like, for example, in, in uh, alchemy, they call it the solar body. In Tibetan Buddhism, they call it the rainbow body. Yeah, in yeah. ceremonial magic, we call it the light body. You know, you, you don't see these Tibetan lamas that have reached these highest stages of, of um, attainment, uh, realization. You know, they go off and live in caves somewhere and, and keep practicing. Their, their joy comes from progressing along this path, not from accumulating more yeah. uh, pointless worldly stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that that's what sort of scares me is people that have put that much dedication and work into it for evil purposes or for like, let's say they get addicted to the at the beginning levels and they're realizing that there's something to it. And then they start wanting that to create more power and maybe maybe through sacrifice or some kind of, you know, abuse. I mean, that's that's what worries me that I mean, especially seems like there's interest in that right now in the world. You know? oh, I think, you know, people have probably abused just about everything under the face of the, the sun at, at one time or another. I think, it, you know, as long as, as people have greed uh, in their hearts, they will probably always figure out ways to misuse pretty much everything yeah. in order to try to feed that. Yeah. You know, part of it too, also, I think, you know, like you're saying, I think there are some people that just they don't want us to be empowered. I, I honestly believe there are certain people that probably want to see the vast majority of others held down. And that, you know, they magic back in like ancient Mesopotamia, ancient Sumer, they called it the royal science. It was the, the, the path of kings to become a king. Yeah. And the reason they call that is like magic is the, is the way that you regain sovereignty over your life so that you are the person you are the force that dictates the path that your life will take you know you will no longer be affected and influenced by right. all of these outside energies or by other people who are trying to exert control over you it's like you become the king of your life and like crowley yeah. said he said that, you know, you can be walking down the street and no one you pass will ever even know you're a king. And it doesn't matter at all because it doesn't have anything to do with the outside world. It's yeah. an internal state. Interesting. So, cause I mean, most of the secret societies and the people that were, you know, teaching magic, you had to get in there, you had to get through the levels. I mean, not, not just anybody could go do that. I mean, that was set exactly. aside for the, the, uh, the elite. Yeah. The profane. Yes. We're not, you know, we're not, we're not there, exactly. but would you, would you say that this, time in the world is a, is a time when, you know, like we, we're all learning how right now we're learning these practices. It's all, 
so many books on it. There's so much, so much knowledge open to anybody. Now you don't have yes. to be like the profane is allowed to now finally yes, practice. I, I mean, would you say this is the time when the, this happened the most ever? I think I absolutely do. And a lot of it is just due to the fact just that at no other time in history has this high a percentage of the human population even been able to read. Yeah. You know, keep in mind that in like past generations, if you weren't royalty or born into like a really wealthy, uh, you know, high up family, you aren't ever even going to be able to learn to read. So you could have never come across this stuff unless it was, you know, deliberately handed to you. But I, I honestly think that is the path that magic has been going for probably thousands of years is gradually being, you know, released into wider and wider streams yeah, and once again, going back to Crowley, that was one of the things uh, that he was trying to do was take magic away from these secret societies and throw it out there so that anybody who wanted to have a crack at it could see what it was, try their hand. You know, he even said in, in some of his writing, he said magic uh, is for the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker, meaning everybody should be able to try this. It should not be the property of these super elite uh, you know, these people who think they're like the aristocracy of, of religions or, or spiritual sciences, it should be for everyone who wants to try it. Yeah. Very interesting. And, and now look what's happened over the last 120 years. And now there's yeah. a couple billion Facebook accounts <laughs> and a yes. couple billion Twitter <laughs> accounts and a, bil a billion Instagram accounts uh, and a yes. couple billion smartphones. So where does, you know, a highly, highly manipulatable, populace fit in with you know all this sort of stuff being able to be delivered to their eyes because there seems to be some sort of power in numbers you know it's one of those things too that that like you said it really is proliferating in so many different ways but it's that's also one of the things that makes it so hard to find quality material you know j not just some some crap that someone came up with and threw out there you know, it, it really has kind of, I mean, it's just diluted really, it. It's diluted exactly. It diluted. Well, That's I'm coming yeah. more from the angle of someone that knows what they're doing, being able to get a hundred thousand people to, you know, retweet or amplify or, you know, I mean, kind of people like an get, fucking, people get passionate about stuff. I mean, like, yes. you know, you got people punching people in the face over mass right now. So if you can get people like, focusing on you know something for your own means mm -hmm. through these these channels and everyone's lives is that something we need to be wary of in 2020 I, I would say so you know i i think when you're talking about things like sigils you know people creating talismans stuff like that i don't think the average person realizes the extent to which like companies and corporations and billionaires <laughs> use you know like the mcdonald's m that's nothing but a sigil. That's a t the Nike swoosh mark. You know that little that little blue check mark next to celebrity names on Twitter. All of this stuff is sigils and talismans that people are feeding energy and attention into. I absolutely believe that there are, especially in these really big corporations where you have people who don't give a damn about anything other than you know how much money they can squeeze out of you before they toss you to the side and move on to the next consumer. I absolutely believe, yes. And, and like you said, keep in mind that they, they estimate that during the time that Jesus would have been alive, 
like if 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 his uh what's what's the word when he's teaching and ministry like if his ministry uh were taken as an actual 100% factual thing that he would have spoken to no more than about 30,000 people in his entire lifespan think about the fact that now due to twitter and facebook you could reach potentially 10 times that in a split second yeah yeah that's crazy and you, and you do yeah. Yes. And as you know, we've reached this new level where emotions coming into it. Like I've never mm-hmm. seen emotion on the internet, like you see on social media. And yes. it just seems like a dangerous thing to point around, especially if we're, at, you know, if we're this single consciousness, then we're in some way generating all of this reality at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you know, if these fucking assholes at the top or, you know, we tend to manifest garbage. I, I had a note here about that to ask you about because you're reading your book, uh, The Archangels and Angels, and you were talking about the zodiacal energies mm-hmm. with the, with yes. those. <clears throat> and yes. I thought about is that is what you were talking about when the when you hear the the billionaires say it's not the millionaires don't believe in astrology, the billionaires believe in astrology. And I thought of of that that being like a part of that. It could possibly be, I, I, you know, on my part, that would kind of be speculation just because yeah. I don't actually know any billionaires, but I would not, you know, I would not doubt it at all. Yeah. Um, is there any way to defend against that sort of stuff? Is that just sort of cleaning your room, you know, getting, having your own shit together. So you're more immune to being used for other people's nefarious purposes. That is, that's a huge part of it in and of itself. Uh, Yeah, just stuff like that. And, you know, one of the things, like I was saying a while ago about some of these techniques and how it's essentially like doing calisthenics for your aura, like you're feeding your energy system. The more you do that, the more it gives you a defense against these energies that most people don't even realize are having an effect on them in some way. You know, it's sort of, uh, it, it hardens the outer perimeter of your auric system uh, so that uh, outside energies don't saturate as deeply or as quickly. And does that help you discern, discern truth maybe, and maybe, maybe step out of fear? I mean, does that help with the fear? That type of thing. Like if you're that, talking about maybe doing your, your basic foundational breath work and the LBRP the lesser banishing ritual uh, on a regular basis. And then will that help you discern maybe truth and propaganda from propaganda, maybe help with the fear? I think it does that. And it also kind of shatters, you know, we don't realize how much we engage in or how often we're engaging in uh, what, what's the word like habitual behavior. Um, you know, things that like we're creating like these patterns. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like we engage in all these autopilot type activities that we don't even realize. And a lot of times. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, you are going to reap the fruit of what you put your energy into. Right. So if you're putting all of this energy into these compulsive behaviors, you're not going to like the fruit that you eventually end up harvesting from that. So kind of what magic does also is just wakes you up to the fact that you're carrying out this compulsive behavior and and allows you to start making conscious decisions about what you do and don't want your life to look like 
and it, and it, it happens almost as like a side effect. Yeah, you know, yeah. you find yourself just automatically falling into like you're not striving for it. Like they always tell you uh, to try to eliminate the lust for results and just focus on doing the rituals. Yeah. And I think the more you can do that, the more the side effects like that start to accumulate. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some tips on helping you do that. You talk about mindfulness and concentration meditations in there, which yes. I flip flop, flip flop back and forth on which one is most important or more, more powerful for me. And lately with sort of more of, from a magical mindset, I feel like concentration is, I mean, how, mm-hmm. you know, the more you can concentrate on your intention and the attention that you put on something and the visualization that is a big part of what you teach. Um, Cause I, I have a hard time visualizing things. So if there's any tips on, uh, concentration and visualization through concentration. Maybe we can talk about that. I guess I always, you know, visualization. I think the problem with that word is that when you hear it, it has the word visual in it. So we automatically think that it's something like you see. And for some people, you know, some people will say I'm terrible at visualization. And I always tell them, no, you're not. You do it all the time. You are fucking great at it. You just don't realize you're doing it. Like, for example, when you're thinking of what you're going to have for dinner tonight, you're visualizing it. Or whenever you think of the way your grandmother's face looked when you were a child, you're visualizing it. Or when you think of where you're going to go tomorrow, you're visualizing it. But we, we, when we use the word visualize, we tend to think it's like this super special, you know, it has to be like in a ceremonial aspect or something. Uh, but for some people, visualization isn't seeing. You know, for some people, it's it's more like uh, it could be the sense of sound. It could be the sense of smell. You know, for example, when you start thinking of autumn and you may not be seeing anything in your head, but but try to remember the way autumn smells when you're walking through those fallen leaves. You know, that's a kind of visualization. Okay, so I'm talking more about the specific visualization in in your practice. Let's say bringing light from the universe through your body into (laughs) the earth or picturing a, you know, a a bright blue pentagram or whatever it is. Like those are the types of visualizations I'm talking about, which sometimes I have a hard time staying with them or, or focusing on them long enough to, for it to be a visualization, you know? Mm -hmm. I think really when it comes to that, I think you just have to keep practicing. You know, I don't think there are any shortcut. I think a lot of times people get drawn to magic thinking it will be a shortcut yeah, it's, it's a to something work. else. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It is a tremendous amount of work. You know, a lot of it, like you're saying, the point of some of it is to gradually build up over time so that you can visualize, you know, for longer periods of time or like cleaner and sharper things like that. But I, there, there are no shortcuts that are just going to allow you to, you know, it's like going to the gym. You know, yeah. you're not going to go to the gym one time and come out looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, but I, it, but I, I do have to say, though, that practicing your breathing techniques in the High Magic book, I mean, right away, doing the solar, the lunar one where you do the, the, four, the fourfold breath, I mean, uh-huh. you, can, you can feel the energy almost instantly once you start practicing a little bit. I mean, it is yes. incredible how fast yes. it comes. And Yes. And I don't know why, but for some reason, that was why I loved the Western traditions more than the Eastern traditions is because it seems like with the Eastern stuff, you know, like Zen or whatever it is, it seems like it takes longer to get results than the Western stuff does like magic. I, you know, I experienced things in with a few months of practicing magic that took me years in Zen to achieve. Yeah. Is that similar to the Wim Hof style of breathing at all? 
No, not I'm not really. familiar with his no, stuff. No, so not really. That his is more. Uh, I can't remember the the technical word for the breathing, but this is more of a fourfold steady breath, like four seconds in, mm-hmm. four second hold, four second out, oh, yeah. four second yeah, yeah. The box. I right. guess would you call it fourfold or box breathing or something? Is yeah, like fourfold box or, breathing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's also sometimes they also call it uh, earth breathing, just because there's like a different uh, kind of breathing with for each of the elements. So, for example, whenever you're doing the earth breathing, you inhale to the count of four, hold to the count of four, exhale to the count of four, and hold to the count yeah, of four. So that's yeah. that's the pattern for earth. Fire, for example, would be inhale to the count of four, hold to the count of four, and exhale to the count of four, and then immediately begin inhaling again without that second hold. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, like, there's a different yeah. pattern yeah. for each of right, the elements. Okay, okay right, yeah. right. Um. That that kind of leads me to the one uh, question I had here was um, when you mentioned in, in your new book about about not necessarily fin- having to finish the ritual, but the importance of the I, I'm not sure how you worded it, but the importance of the impact right away, or the or the intention maybe it was, or the power of the intention compared to finishing the ritual. Like, don't be so concerned with actually finishing it, but it's how you get yeah, there, I- maybe or. I think, you know, a lot of times we get hung up on doing every little thing exactly right or exactly like we find it in these, you know, like really old traditional books of magic that have been handed down, you know, since God knows when. But I honestly, you know, just from my own experience, my own practices, I found that if you invest uh, enough time and energy into it to make it something personal to you, it's going to be far more effective than if you follow right, it. Right, you, know, right, I, you know, it's yeah. like they say also yeah. though, you have to know the rules before you start to right. break the rules. I think there is some of that also. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think as long as you invest and make this your own, make it something personal to you, it's not going to matter as much if you do it exactly like it tells you to in, in the older books. Okay. Let's let's get into your new book a little bit before we run out of time. And I I just happened to glance. I saw somebody asking about the tarot in the chats there. So maybe you can get into the archangels and angels a little bit, and maybe start with the tarot part of it and describe maybe what you mean by archangels and angel energy. Because I feel like that's a different level of like you can believe in you know chaos magic or ceremonial magic or doing these rituals and manifesting things and helping dissolve your ego, but reaching like manifesting, you know, angelic energies is a different level of, I think it's a, for me anyways, a different level of belief, a different level of understanding of how that, how that works. Well, I think the the first, the most important thing about angels is kind of understanding what they are from a magical perspective. You know, we look at them and we deal with them as the intelligences that are inherent within celestial energies you know it could be planetary energies it could be uh zodiacal energies like anything doing to do with the heavens there is an intelligence that governs those things and it is possible for us to come into direct contact with these intelligences um but but also kind of you know what you're doing is you know all of the abrahamic religions when you're talking about christianity judaism islam all of these religions were born from magic Ma- when we're talking about magic spelled with a k what you're talking about is astrotheurgy which began in ancient mesopotamia with the study of the stars it was what gave birth to all the western religions so you know what what you're doing not only do you have 
you know, the, the archangels of the 12 constellations of the Zodiac. But if you take a constellation of the Zodiac, say like Sagittarius or Cancer or Leo, whatever it is, you can split that constellation into three equal parts of 10 degrees because each constellation of the Zodiac is 30 degrees of the entire system. Well, each of those 10 degrees also has an intelligence that presides over it. If you take those 10 degrees and slice those in half and, and you have 72 segments of five degrees, each of those segments also has a celestial intelligence that governs that particular energy. So what you're doing, if you start, if you stand in the center of your circle and you invoke the 12 angels of the constellations around yourself, and then the 36 angels of the deacons of the constellations, and then the 72 angels of the five degree segments, what you have done is invoked all of the intelligences that govern every single aspect of the universe around yourself. You have recreated as a microcosm, like this macrocosmic, you know how they say God is at the center of all things, that there really is no center. So it kind of means God is everywhere, but, but symbolically God is at the center of all things. When you have invoked the entire universe around yourself by invoking these angels, you have put your consciousness at the center of the universe on this small scale. What you're trying to do, you know, like they say in magic, if you align your will with the universal will, yeah. then you will have the momentum of the entire universe at your back pushing you forward. That's what we're doing by invoking these celestial intelligences. We are trying to align our personal will with the universal will. Okay. That, that 72 is also one degree of a great year. Is it? Yeah. The great year. And does that go in? That's about the great year. I'm, I'm not familiar with the, that terminology, but is that like the procession? Yeah, of the that'd be one degree of the procession of the equinox. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is where all of this, like, for example, I started doing tours at the Met about a year ago where I was, you know, I was doing um, like teaching people about the history of magic and where it comes from. And I would take them through this, you know, the Mesopotamian exhibit. And one of the things I found is like, you'll see in, in the Mesopotamian stuff and, and keep in mind that this stuff was made when polytheism was the dominant worldview. You know, the, like people believed in many gods, many goddesses spread throughout the world. At that time, due to the procession of the equal, you know, like in all the Mesopotamian artwork, you see that all of the divine and semi-divine figures are all wearing these crowns that have like bull horns on them, right? So I was trying to figure out like, why? If you try to do research on it, the only thing you find is that the bullhorns represent kingship or divinity. And I would think, well, that, that's great, but why does it represent those things? You know, a bull seems like a really pedestrian thing to be a symbol for kingship and godship. Well, it was because, you know, exactly what you're just talking about, you called it the great year or the procession of the equinoxes. It is the procession of the equinoxes that determines how we comprehend and interact with divinity. So, you know, this is why these ancient cultures paid so much attention to the spring equinox. It's because at the time of the spring equinox, if you stand facing east and watch the sunrise, you will see the sunrise in the same sign of the constant, the same constellation for about 2,100 years or so. Yeah. Well, at the time of ancient Sumer and polytheism, if you would have stood facing east at the time of the spring equinox, you would have seen the sunrise in the sign of Taurus which is why they all wore the bullhorns. 
Skip ahead about 2,100 years or so after that, if you would have stood facing east at the time of the spring equinox, for that, those 2,000 years or so, you would have seen the sunrise in the sign of Aries. This is when Judaism is becoming the dominant world religion, you know, when it's spreading throughout the world. And this is why the ram symbolism plays such a huge part in their traditions, you know, like the Jewish priest playing the ram's horn or like the scapegoat ritual or like Abraham getting ready to kill his son Isaac and God sends him a ram to kill in its place. So all of that is, you know, it's why Moses freaks out when he comes down off the mountain and sees them worshiping the golden calf. Because what that symbolized was them trying to go back to the time of Taurus instead of proceeding into, you know, Aries. We'll skip ahead from that 2,150 years or so, and we would and, and face east at the time of the spring equinox, and you would have seen the sunrise in the sign of Pisces, which is why the fish symbolism is so prevalent in Christianity. You know, it's like Jesus is, is feeding the multitudes with two fish. He's calling his disciples fishers of men. He tells them at one point, I'm getting ready to leave you. They say, what should we do when you leave us? He says, follow the man with the water pitcher into his house. Well, you know, in those days, men did not carry water pitchers. That was considered entirely women's work. However, the, the sign of Aquarius, which is what we would be entering after Pisces, is a man carrying a water pitcher. So he was telling them what will come after this time of Pisces will be this 2,150 years of Aquarius. Yeah, so interesting. 2160 is actually what it is, which is another yes. sacred number. Yes, exactly. So all of the, all, like when you're talking about sacred geometry, you know, math, math like our higher math, you know, keep in mind that these, like people kept asking me, like they say, NASA just came out and said that they're, they just discovered this 13th constellation of the Zodiac. It's like, no, they didn't just discover that. They used that all the way back in ancient Mesopotamia and the Babylonians dropped it thousands of years later. You know, all of this stuff, like our higher maths, our astronomy, astrology, every, pretty much everything we know as a species, we began to figure out and understand by first watching the stars. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned invoking all those angels, quite a few of them, but it doesn't have to seem so complicated because you also mentioned in your book, you know, you've got it all laid out with which, which ones mean which for, you know, yes. for manifesting what and for helping what. So you simplify exactly. it to the point where you can do a quick little connection for exactly. whatever you want. Do you want to maybe describe a couple of those? Before well, we that, jump into you know, that, so oh, are, go we, ahead. are we, are we, I mean, that's sort of poking the de direction of astrotheism. There is a very, there's a big overlap with that too. Yes. Astro, what, you know, astro theology or astro theurgy, which is what magic is. What we are doing is deliberately working with these currents of energy, invoking them in order to ingest them, you know, take them in as spiritual sustenance. You consume them in order to increase the strength of your own energy system, or you use them in some other external way, you know, to, to shape something externally. But yeah, you know, one of the things I wanted to do in the book was, you know, I know a lot of people aren't going to spend, you know, four or five, eight hours a day, you know, doing some of these invocation rituals. And I wanted to give people who just are looking for something to help them through day-to-day -day life, something that they could use as well. So, you know, I go into how you can just invoke one particular angel for, for one particular thing that you're trying to accomplish. And it doesn't have to be, you know, this huge, 
uh, ceremonial, pompous, like ritual. It could be a very, very easy, uh, you know, um, thing that you do. You know, you were talking about tarot, for example, a while ago. And, and one of the things I pointed out in the book is how when the golden, most of what people think of as the tarot now, like the Rider Waite deck was actually designed by the members of the Golden Dawn. And whenever they were designing it, they also designed it so that every single card in the deck could also be used as a talisman. Mm. You know, you would charge each card yeah. for a particular result. And they gave uh, what they called an angel of the night and an angel of the day for each card that you could invoke to, to bless or, or put energy into the card. And once again, that's kind of symbolism. Like when you're talking about the angel of the day, the day is the sun, solar power. The night is the moon, lunar power, more feminine. So basically what they're describing when they say an angel of the day and an angel of the night, they're giving you instructions on how to visualize these angels. Like you visualize an angel of the day as being more masculine, male-like, and an angel of the night as being more feminine. And again, it's all about the union of opposites, uniting that feminine and masculine energy or the energy of, of fire and water, you know, all about uniting opposites. So can you describe again, just angel or archangel? And is it, it's an energy, a type of energy that can be related to the celestial, celestial exactly. things or so that, like, so you're talking about colors and types of vibration and feelings and yes. all that, which would be, which you, you can call you're calling an angel or an archangel. So it's not necessarily like the, the typical angel that people it's, think of exactly it is not you know most people when they think of angels they think of almost like people with wings on their back yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is not what we're talking about at all here we are talking about intelligences that people have recognized worked with and come in contact with since the dawn of human civilization you know we've just given them different names and visualize them in different ways in different cultures and civilizations. But these things are not the property of any one particular religion. So what about the risk of opening these, opening yourself or opening up portals for tricksters or evil energies or that type of thing? Is there protections? Do you ever worry about that? How do people that are concerned about that deal with it? That's exactly why in magic, the first thing you're taught to work with are angels, because when you're working with these particular intelligences, you don't have to worry about stuff like that. You are working with energies and intelligences, which were designed to benevolently assist us in becoming what we were supposed to become in complete or in fulfilling our will in this lifetime. Right on. Okay. All right. So that you, so you do write out the tarot too, like you list all the tarot cards yep. and all that yes. to use them as talismans. So like for exactly. people that are interested in the tarot, you get right into all that in your yes. book. Are exactly. all the tarot cards the same then? Well, the tarot, the Rider Waite deck, like you have Oracle cards and then you have the tarot, like the Rider Waite deck, which is right. The, right. the one that I got the other day, which is kind of the yeah, official, I get the difference that's kind of like the official tarot. But with like them. the tarot deck, are they all, are they all like this? Cause there's all different styles, but are they all the same cards in some capacity? Well, like most a regular of them? deck of cards? Yeah, I would think probably 75% of them are the same. They call it, most of them, they call them Rider Waite clones, right. where right. basically what people will do is take the Rider Waite and change the artwork a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You know, maybe they'll, they'll portray the people as different races, or they'll portray them as like elves, or, you know, put them in different scenarios. But, you know, they'll keep the meaning basically the same, and it'll be 
pretty much the same image. That's not that's not true of things like Oracle decks. You yeah. know, for example, a tarot deck will always have seventy eight cards. An Oracle deck could have any number, yeah. uh, and could mean you know something that is com- just entirely personal to the person that created it. Makes sense. Seventy eight. I thought it was like fifty six. Well, no, that you're talking about the major. That's the le- that's a lesser. There's twenty two major arcana or whatever, right? Like the yes. priestess and all of that. And then there's the cards afterwards. So, so exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's. Before, before I want to before we before we end up running out of time here, I want to end up. Can you tell the story about the word? Like it's probably my favorite oh, part of the book. I mean, yeah. Well, I guess um, I think what you're talking about is is how I was describing how in magic, you know, when we're talking about the third order, one of the things that a person experiences in the third order, and keep in mind, this is not a level that most people, you know, just like most people who take up Buddhism are not going to reach the same level as like a, a lama yeah. who dedicates their entire life to this practice, um, but People who do reach that stage receive a word. And this word is sort of like the embodiment or the epitome or the encapsulation of everything that you are passing on, everything that you're teaching that sort of embodies your entire understanding of the universe. So say, for example, uh, Lao Tzu, his word was Tao, T-A-O. Or uh, Moses, his would have been Y-H-V-H. Or when you're talking about Crowley, his was Thelema. Um, for mine was Lil, L-I-L. It was like an ancient Sumerian word that literally means the heavens, meaning that everything that I am trying to pass on is tied in one way or another to the heavens and these celestial events and, and celestial intelligences. Uh, that that and, and Really, that's what it is. It becomes your sort of job at that point to pass on that word, to proclaim that word. Uh, and, and not in a way like, you know, standing on the corner trying to convert people, uh, you know, because like we said, this is a lot of work. This is a lot of dedication and commitment and discipline if you're going to follow this path. It, so it's not like you're trying to convince people yeah. or convert people to take this on. It's more like saying, look, this is... This word represents the entirety of my experiences, and it's these experiences that I'm passing on to anyone who wants to use them to be a benefit in their own life. Right. But when you saw the word, it was, it was, you didn't know what it meant. I mean, it's not oh, like, no. you know, so you're no. not manifesting, like, it's not like you're choosing between a bunch of words. Like, no. You, so no. when it happened to you, you saw it in a black sky, right? A yes. crystal well, clear black sky. Yeah, well, that was actually uh, something slightly different. Like that was tied into uh, the the attaining knowledge and conversation of the HGA, where you're essentially um, you are establishing contact with the egregore that is behind all the Abrahamic religions, like what we would call God. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what this egregore egregore does is gives each person that establishes contact, a particular image and a particular name that you can use. You know, like when you're trying to establish contact in the beginning, like when you're using like the Abramalan ritual, it takes like 18 months to go through this whole process. What happens when you establish contact is it gives you a name and an image that you can use from that point on to establish instantaneous contact. Okay. So So what happens... Do our, names, do our names label us then? Like our personal names? Yeah. 
I have no idea. Cause no I have idea. noticed this weird thing in my life where like, not all the time, but sometimes when people have the same name, I'll be like, these two fucking guys act the same. Like they're almost the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, now that I'm going to start paying attention to that. Now that you bring it up, I've never actually noticed that before. Well, we talked to that guy from India and their religion. They were, they, they make the sound. they, Right. There's a name that uh, it comes to them. Like they don't decide, oh, we're going to name, you know, this baby right. Greg. It actually comes to them and they name it that sound. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's that's exactly yeah. what this process is like. Whenever I experienced it, the first, you know, keep in mind that by the time that this happened to me, I had worked up to doing magic from six to eight hours a day. You know, I would go on these retreats where I would close myself off wow. and do nothing but magic. And, and one time, you know, when it happened, it was probably 2.30 in the morning. And the only way I know how to describe this, uh, you know, I, I say that I saw something, but whenever I say saw, I don't mean with my physical eyes. I mean, with these like internal yeah. perception, sensory <laughs> organs, yeah. you know, I, I'm not even sure what name to use. English can't even describe it. I know. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm standing there at 2.30 in the morning going through this ritual for the, you know, hundredth time. And I have my eyes closed and I see as plain as day an image of the nighttime sky. Like I see the stars in the sky. And I saw a word spell itself out across the stars. And the only way that I can articulate what it looked like is if you've ever seen wind blow through a field of tall grass and you know the way you see the grass move that's the way the name kind of moved across the sky but it said e n l i l in lil it was not a name or a word that i had ever heard of didn't mean anything to me completely out of my frame of reference you know the the system of magic that i was using is is based mostly on hebrew and, and so th th it didn't fit into that at all. But I knew whenever it happened to me, I mean, it shook me to the core of my being, to the very foundation of what I am. I knew that this was important, but it, it like shocked me to such a degree that it didn't even occur to me for several days afterwards Google it. <laughs> yeah. so, so whenever I did it, the, I start coming up with all this information about how this is one of the very first titles ever used by humanity to describe uh, this divine intelligence. It literally means like E-N means Lord, L-I-L means heaven. So it literally, it is a word that literally means Lord of heaven. That's crazy. It kind of fits into yes. like that en yes. Enil and Elil and Elohim, you know, they're all kind yes. of, they're not far yes. off from each other. Exactly. Because I yes. thought Elohim was plural, actually. And it, was it actually, is. It's like yes. El is more for, or Il or El is singular. Yes. Which and makes a weird and, thing when they call the gods that came down plural. Yes. Yeah. That and they say it also has like connotations of being both masculine and, and feminine. feminine. Yeah, that's yes. right. Yeah. So uh, some people say that if you were to translate it accurately, instead, like 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 as accurately as possible, instead of saying God created the you know heaven and earth, it would say that the gods and goddesses created heaven and earth. Hmm. That's a fascinating. That's a fantastic story. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to uh, mention before we got to wrap it up? 
That's all I can think of off the top of my head, other than to say that I have really enjoyed oh, this good. conversation. I really enjoyed talking right to you guys. Right on, good. Yeah, we're, that's that's <laughs> glad to have you on. Yeah, we'll have you back anytime. Yeah, we, we, yeah, I, I would know, love to I, do that. I, I know you're working on another book right after this. It's fascinating. Yes, so I mean, we should yes. do it again and. Yes. It'll be a little bit more further advanced than we were today. And, uh, you know, it's yeah. not every day that you get to talk to people about stuff like this. So it's kind of nice. I in the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's great. I mean, honestly, I loved your books and I recommend them to everybody. And it's just like, they're really just practical, right? Practical, how to get, how to get into this. And, and start, that's what I wanted you know. to do. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yes. And I got to say, thank you very much. For Thank the you. first show in fucking four months where we did not mention COVID one. All right, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. All right, you guys have a good okay. night, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Damien. Bye, Take care. Bye. You too. And that was a chat with the one and only Damien Eccles. What do you think, buddy? I know you've been waiting for that one for a while. Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah. Was it all you hoped for? I know. Some, oh yeah. Sometimes yeah. you get the. You get nervous. You I was get nervous. nervous today. I told Maria I was nervous today. Yeah. But you didn't yeah. let it show. That's good. Well, you know what? It's yeah, it was good. I remember John Perkins. You're all excited. Oh my God, and then yeah. you like, I didn't ask any questions. I overprepared. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. Clammed up. Yeah. Well, you know what? I purposely didn't listen to him on any other interviews because I just finished his book. And I thought, you know you what? That's enough, right? Interviews. That's enough, right? Like, I, I don't want to taint preparation. It. Well, no, it's sometimes it's really good preparation, but because I would come up with a bunch of questions that I would ask them, right? But uh, for this one, I thought, you know what, just just reading both his books uh, and and enjoying his uh, his writing would be enough. The, the the live stream has requested that you ask Damien to join the chats. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, check out his book, and and I I got to get back into some regular practice. I really do. I love when that stuff all starts tying together with the sacred geometry and some of the uh, the procession of the equinox stuff. It's always kind of fun. That would tie in well with some of Dave Matheson stuff. You know, you don't see that coming. Well, it's interesting how you the, get him, Randall Carlson, and Dave Matheson oh in a room, God. and it'd be a oh. fucking amazing oh, conversation. I mean, these guys know he's no. He knows so much, hey, he right? He was in he was in blast. he was on death row for like 18 years learning. He's practicing this every day in and out. I mean, he's put in the he's put in the time, you know, researching it all, doing it all daily. Um, got himself off a of death row. I mean, I didn't want to get into that. Um, the other thing I was gonna mention is uh no, you, you I, I can't remember now. I fucked you over? Yeah. Oh well, I don't mind. Uh no, it's fantastic chat. I I I wasn't I didn't really know much about Damien, but one of those ones, a yeah. sleeper hit for me. Anyway, I guess everyone else knew who he was. I mean, a bunch of people were super excited for this one, but <laughs> sometimes I'm just clueless. Uh, so big thanks to Damien for coming on the show. Do check out his stuff. Big thanks to all you guys for listening. Extra big thanks to the, the few hundred of you that choose to support the show every month. That's even better when you sign up for a monthly. We love you. We could not do this show without you. We wouldn't have got past 100 episodes here we are creeping up on 500. I don't think we'll hit 500 this year, but we'll probably hit 500 early next year. Now you start including those black budget shows. We're definitely at 500, which of course you can get just by doing a one-time donation, signing up for a monthly donation, or just emailing one of us and asking nicely. We'll give you instant access to all that black budget content. Um, which we're going to, we got some ideas, but we're going to put some extra stuff in there too coming up. I think. Yeah. For sure. 
Yeah. It's summer. We'll get yeah. some more content in the winter. Yeah. Winter's like content season. I mean, you guys are lucky we can even keep up with this in the summer. It's like bright, 20 hours a day up here. Uh, what else you got? Support the show. We love you. Sign up for the newsletter. You got to be in the chats. GrimAmerica.ca slash chats. Review the show. Review the show. I think we're at like 942 yeah, ratings. Yeah, let's get to 1,000. The last one was a one star. I know. I heard you. Somebody you put you popped it somewhere. You you you, you advertised our one star review. I put it on Twitter. Oh, that's good. Nice. It was a good one. You want to read it to you? Sure. Where do I take uh, more pictures than I think sometimes? When was that? Oh, was just know. yesterday. It's okay. Oh, that was Sunday. Uh, oh, it was a good one. It was like they took a year off because we were so ignorant, and. They came back and we were more ignorant. But I can't find it off the top. What does that even mean? I don't know. Here it is. Oh, no. That's it. That's okay. Uh, worsening. One star. Came back after taking a break for a year, hoping the show changed. It has. The hosts are even more ignorant than before. I didn't think that was possible. From 316-913, United States of America. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. So we need a couple, three or four stars to help round out that one star. Any reviews help? Uh, I think that's it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week.
Another adventure in coffee enemas. Oh man. Oh, oh, God. oh my God. I'm just gonna get the washroom. Okay, oh, okay. Almost there. Oh, one more step. Okay. Oh, God. I just gotta get these pants off. Oh, it's here. What is this I feel inside of me? All this, all this power. All this invigorating energy. I, I, I feel like I can arm wrestle a moose. I gotta get going. I gotta move. I gotta run. Oh my god. I'm going to run. 